friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastic worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with Hierophant of the Hirsute, Chris Prunty, along with our continued special guest, Daniel Quinn. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing well. Not sick Great. yet. Not sick. Yeah, yeah. We we hope that you're all doing well and staying safe in these trying and troubled times of the quarantine. We are all uh, recording remotely today, which is just as well because we actually are recording an interview with Dingo from the YouTube channel Dingo Doodles. And we're going to go ahead and cut straight to that right now. Hello and welcome to World Build with us. Uh, we are here with Dingo from Dingo Doodles. Uh, Dingo, why don't you Hello. go ahead and give an introduction to those of us who might not know you very well? Uh, yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Dingo from the channel Dingo Doodles on YouTube. And mostly my YouTube consists of me telling a retelling of a D&D campaign I went through in 2017 to 2018 called Fool's Gold. And now I'm reanimating it episodically. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of craziness. Uh, it's got wild magic in it. Uh, my very first episode that I posted online was uh, me releasing a Tarrasque with karaoke. So you can kind of leave that up to your imagination on how that happened. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been quite a ride. So yeah, I'm up to episode 13. Um, but actually there's 14 episodes because there's like a Halloween thing. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Cool. Um, and for those, uh, nope, never mind. I'm going to go ahead and skip that. Uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Because I know that you've been holding in the fanboy within you. I have <laughs> submerged the fanboy within me. And <laughs> I've killed the child. But anyhow, uh, as far as uh, questions that I have, I am I'm a fan of it. But uh, from what I've been able to gather from watching everything in most of these things you've been a player you haven't been a, a dm but i think i heard hints that you have dm before yes yeah i've i've dm for about three years now okay sweet yeah all right yeah. that's one thing that really comes across in the series thus far is that you know even as a player it sounds like you have a lot of opportunities to add a lot to the story and add a lot to the world building uh, Definitely. Do you wanna, yeah go ahead and tell us a little bit about that yeah, well, definitely. Well, the fun the fun thing about our table, and I'm very thankful for the players I have, and Felix, who's the DM, is a fantastic DM. And pretty much we all work together to create the story. It's We don't leave it all to the DM to uh, create the world, because there's a lot of times where, as DMs know, they come to the table and sometimes they're not prepared. And when that happens, the uh, Felix is just like, have at it, do what you want. And then we just kind of build and create. And uh, it's a really good system. I'm very, very thankful I have a group like that. Yeah, that's always very fun and cuts down on prep time and exhaustion. In, in stress, you know, yeah. pure yeah. stress of it all. Uh, with that, uh, I actually had a question of... You, your character, Sips and everything, has a lot of tables that it has to roll off of and mm -hmm. different things that happen with that. Was that like a collaborative effort or uh, did one of you come with it and be like, hey, would it be cool if I did this or? Uh, usually when we create characters uh, for a campaign, we are all sitting in the room together and we kind of like talk about uh, how, what we want to make and, and what kind of character and 
yeah, the the charts were very much like, hey, I want to be a wild mage, um, which it's not. It's three point five, three point five. I don't really like their their wild mage, so we kind of homebrewed it to hell, where it's, it's a sorcerer. It is a sorcerer class, and we just put a, a wild chart on top of it with a curse chart. So, um, yeah, that was. I just looked up online a curse chart I liked. And Felix also looked up a wild magic chart that he liked, and we just kind of put it together and made that thing. <laughs> made six, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Rob, I know that you're not a fan of uh, different charts and randomization in some of your stuff, but that actually made me create like this entire failure chart for random stuff that could happen just based on like a, well, kind of the karaoke event of. Like, you don't expect something like that to come out of dancing lights. I don't mind randomization. Uh, it's just that I find needless chart rolling to be kind of annoying. But when it comes to wild magic, I think that it's so thematic that it's actually really appropriate for that type of character. It just, for me, like me being the very kind of anal person that I am, I just don't feel like I could ever deal with like that much chaos in my life, you know? <laughs> You have to let go. You have to like, uh, you have to, I'm a very chaotic person. So it was very easy for me to fly right into wild magic and stuff like that. Cause I just love going like, oh shit, what's going to happen now? You know, it's just like that really exciting moment of just being like, how did I fuck up this time? Um, Cause you got to solve it. And I, I love that stuff. Um, but I know a lot of people have a hard time when it comes to dealing with wild magic and to be a wild magic player it's it's very much you have to just accept the chaos and really really lean into it and enjoy it so yeah so speaking of that chaos that you um like deal with as it, as it arises since you're retelling like the campaign that happened over that past year like how do you recapture because i feel like when i'm watching them i feel like it's literally happening as i'm watching it how do you recapture the magic of that moment <laughs> Um, okay, so I guess a lot of it's just me thinking uh, back to those moments of like what we felt and, and how it was. I also c constantly talk to my friends that were in the campaign with me about being like, Oh, remember that time? I was like, Oh, God, I was so upset. Or like, <laughs> you know, like you really just like we keep rehashing it. And I also have um, uh, Felix's, Felix's notes that uh, from that campaign. So I just kind of like I read through it and go down memory lane and I pull a lot of the emotions that we felt in the campaign and I bring it out. I have a I have a background in like um, in art and and writing as well. So I I'm using this whole uh, YouTube experience to try to test that and see if I can I can make people invested in something that's happened like way, way ago. Right. And, and by what you say, you know, like you said, you're feeling it like it's actually happening where, mm -hmm. I mean, last episode at episode 13 or so that happened in, oh God, that, that, that was like in, um, I think January of 2018. That's what, ha that's when that happened. So it's, you know, yeah, I think trying to pull it out is, is difficult, but. Um, I'm finding a system. <laughs> I mean, understandable. I imagine that's like uh, part of your thing as a storyteller is trying to figure out the best way and the best story beats to kind of pick up on. And I imagine that that translates pretty well to being a dungeon master or a game master in general. Yeah, definitely. Like you really have to, um, 
you have to tune into that and and pull out <laughs> pull out emotions that are very raw and very um it's it's difficult like that's that's mostly what i can say is that it, it kind of translates together where uh dming and this storytelling is just going hand in hand and it, i'm learning so much on both sides that i kind of just use on both sides uh yeah so i haven't had a lot of time to uh read your web comic or anything mm -hmm. i actually only in the recent few days did a in kind of preparing for this did i start to read it or anything uh would you like i know that you're gone into youtube uh mm -hmm. as that format but i think you answered the question of saying that you you see yourself foremost as a a artist or do you see yourself as like a content creator uh i guess that's tough because it it always changes i think with being uh somebody who creates things and is an artist they're always evolving and changing their styles and like with comics it was really uh a way for me to test out writing and um comedy in general and and also color theory and, and art so i guess i would be a content creator i wouldn't be just an artist because you know there's there's writing in there and there's um especially with youtube there's now timing and voice acting now which is oh god don't get me started on voice acting. It's, it's um, it's a beast in itself. So yeah, I would say I'm more of a content creator. Hmm. Speaking of identity in that sense, um, one of the questions we love to ask people like who join our world building podcast is a little bit about your origin story. And I was watching some of um, what they called. Let's see, it was the life, um, the life stories, right? Those little kind of cute stories from your past. Yeah. How would you describe like your origin story? And you know, you can take that question however you want, uh, whether it's like from the career side or like just growing up with fantasy. Oh, um, hmm. My origin story. Yeah. Like, what made you the superhero you are today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess just uh, a consumer of of media, um, of growing up in a family that was all creative. Like my dad's a musician, my mom's a writer, and uh, my sister went into uh, animation. Um, and I'm doing my own thing now. And I think being surrounded by those people at all times mm -hmm. was a was a perfect storm for me. You know, it's like it's a perfect situation. Like like I, my my parents are super Star Trek fans. And Lord of the oh, Rings yes. fans, you know, it's just like Lord of the Rings and Star Trek. Star Trek was in my family at all times, along with like Shakespeare and history. And my mom does historical literature. And it's like all that stuff mixed together, I would say, is how I got to where I am now. For sure. okay, I think that's the, the heart of the three of us here: Star Trek, history, and Lord of the Rings. Actually, yeah. Wow. That... Yeah. Actually, if you want to, if you want to talk a little bit more about that, is that like, I always like to talk about like touchstones in terms of, you know, f world building and stuff like that. Are those your three major touchstones? Is that like yeah. your three major influences? Uh, no, I know I, it sounds strange, but no, they aren't because um, I was surrounded by them, but that doesn't mean that I particularly took part as much. Like it was just yeah. all around me at all times, you know, like I love Lord of the Rings. I love Star Trek, but like... Even with Star Trek, you know, I I can't remember the last episode I, I watched or something. It's been so long. It just was around me at all times. But I think the things that have really built me 
um, what kinds of media. I mean, yeah, Lord of the Rings. But uh, I, I love Avatar The Last Airbender. That was yes. really Yes, 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 wonderful. by all means, go on. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely adore that series. The way they told it um, and how they had this beautiful mixture of like drama, but it's still a kid's show. Like that's my bread and butter, you know? D- uh, anime, so like DBZ was a huge influence on me. And uh, Sailor Moon and... Hmm. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Brotherhood yeah. or the original one? Uh, the original one when it was on TV because you know you just like tune in and you just be like ah you know gotta gotta watch that or like Inuyasha. Oh, oh man, Inuyasha! Yeah. That is taking me that. back to like seventeen-year-old me watching it on Adult Swim. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like it's like your blast from the past. You're now you're you know two thousand six again, and you're like oh god. I know. Oh, will they or oh, won't Kagome, they? I don't know. Will they or won't they? Well, they, they, of course they're going to. It's just like, <laughs> how many more shards can there possibly be for the love of God? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if we could go back to Avatar The Last Airbender, yes. I think that Avatar The Last Airbender is brilliant. When we did our episode on cities, one of the cities that I actually mentioned was Bossing Say, because I think that thematically Bossing Say is super intelligent, super creative, yeah. and like really shows some of the best aspects of Avatar's world building. Uh, what what about Avatar: The Last Airbender? Besides everything that you talked about previously, is so inspirational to you because I, I mean, again, I'm fanboying out about just that concept alone. So yeah, I mean, I mean, the like you said, the world building so freaking great. Like like how they had uh, like the North, the North Pole area, uh, with all the ice and everything, and they built their entire city around that. Like that was so cool and. Um, and uh, like just the way they use the elements for certain aspects, like when you would go to the um, where they did airbending and it just like the whole the whole cities were like built on those huge cliffs. And I, I just oh, yeah, it was so raw and beautiful just to to see that in that show. Um, and I also love the creatures. I loved how they they made like weird mixes of things. And like the platypus bear and stuff like that. Like that was so cool. Like I, I love that. Yeah. And then the one rare bear bear. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah they're just like, it's, it's just a bear. And it's like, Ugh. <laughs> oh, it's so weird. Yeah. yeah. What, one of, one of my favorite little random jokes that fits the world so well. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, how would you say, cause again, when you're going through your own creative process now, how would you say that your current, you know, the previous influences that you mentioned have kind of influenced you when you're GMing or when you're making your old world? Or is it a matter of you look to your players to kind of fill in most of that? Mm, I don't know if I, uh, partic- I don't really particularly look to my players as much. I definitely look to them to interact and build on it. Um, I kind of like give them their little sandbox with some tools in it and be like, how's that going to work? And then they just kind of go for it. Um, But when it comes to like world building in my campaign, um, I look to a lot of things here. I I, like, I look to a lot of nature and stuff here. Um, Like I build, I build using um, fauna and flora and (laughs) I build things astronomically huge and then i kind of scale it down again um 
but tying from other things, I don't really take as much from media. I mostly just think, I just usually just look at things we have here and I just kind of build them on. So speaking okay. of, of world building in that sense, um, one of the things we like to ask people to come on the podcast too is um, when, when we have other creators who aren't necessarily doing RPGs, mm-hmm. are there tips from the world building that you've done in RPGs or even when you're putting together kind of the retellings of the campaign, like in your videos that you think would carry over well to just storytelling in general? Mm, mm. I think uh, a real tip for me when it comes to storytelling and RPGs in general is to cutting down to the bare essentials, like to the bare bones, because you can get really lost in your world sometimes, like in writing or when you're DMing in an RPG, like it could be just so much, you know, you start thinking about all the details and everything starts to cycle and you kind of get like a big swamp of things and it kind of uh, becomes muddied and everything and what I've really realized with um, even doing my videos is that you need to cut to the essential like what is it that makes this world interesting and like cut it down to like one to two sentences and that really helps me when I get lost um, in what I'm doing both sides the heart of things yeah 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 you don't want to have every blade of grass have a name and a 10 page backstory yeah (laughs) Yeah, everybody yeah or everybody's got a freaking language that you have to make you really were a tolkien fan growing up yeah Yeah, definitely (laughs) oh man yeah so speaking of leaves uh we're gonna go ahead and name the first seven leaves that were in the hobbit village and uh that'll (laughs) chew up about 35 pages so go ahead uh, hobbit dombadil (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, each of them have a certain scent and yeah yeah and a poem to go with it dear god <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah i think yeah. we all respect tolkien for a, being a great storyteller but i've always criticized him as a writer stop shitting yeah. on him no i really i really don't it's i really lo- yeah what are you gonna do come over and fight me during the quarantine <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> just you wait <laughs> yeah, just wait until June seventeenth. Yeah. Uh, Chris, go ahead. You had a question. So, uh, from being a player to becoming a DM, uh, what was the most revealing thing, or the most shocking thing of like, oh, I didn't actually prepare anything, but you think I did? Kind of like, what was the most shocking moment of the transversing? Of like, of being a DM. Like, what's the most shocking? Uh, assuming that you went from a player to a dm what Mm -hmm. was like the shocking moment for that or like what from transitioning from a player to a gm yeah Yeah. um you know i i the really tough part for me was that i had to pay attention to all the players um all kind of at once Mm. Uh, I was like, what are you doing? Then what are you doing? What are you doing? Where when you're a player, you just kind of like think of your one character and you can really get into depth with your character, which is fun and exciting. And you have a lot of like, ooh, I'm I'm exploring. I'm having fun. But then when you're a DM, you're just like, oh, God, I have to make sure that each of these players gets the spotlight and that they each are uh, getting something out of this, you know, like. I really, when I build my campaigns and I build where they're going, I'm trying to tailor it 
to their um their needs and their wants and what excites them like one person's super into combat and then the other person's super into role play and the other person's super into like i don't know crafting or something you have to really mix those things together yeah so it's it's that was the hardest thing for me is just like okay well i need to expand my brain to the point where i'm i'm tuning into all these people so that I, I have to say, uh, are you the type of GM who does a ton of prep or are you the type of GM who does almost no prep and just improvs the most of it? Cause I, I can tell you from personal experience, I do like a skeleton approach where mm-hmm. I have like the bones of the world and just really rely on my players to kind of, you know, when they're just talking, it's like, Oh, I bet it's some kind of super demon. And then everyone else is like, shut up, stop giving him ideas on how to murder us. <laughs> that's definitely uh an aspect that i work with is i usually i just want to know what's happening in the world i create the world and then everything else moves regardless if they interact with it or not so um i kind of like place the players in and then be like have at it have fun uh and i know what each npc is doing at the time that they're doing things so if they decide oh i want to go to the library i know exactly what's happening in the library already so i guess my prep is just the like you said kind of like the skeleton of like i know what's happening in my world and I mostly just want to keep it open and free, um, but I'm still learning what I need. I'm 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 constantly being like either this is too much or not enough. You know, I'm still trying to find that middle ground for myself. Yeah, finding that sweet spot is like kind of one of the hardest things to do. I think in to to be like creative or a GM or something like that is to find out exactly what you need and how you kind of need it. And that brings me to my next question: is can you tell me about a time when you were GMing where you had something prepared or you had something that was ready to go and then your players just took it in an entirely different direction? Because some of those moments for me are some of my favorite moments in role-playing. I just recently had something happen. Uh, actually, last week. <laughs> and I usually, I, I'm pretty good at telling where my players are going to go because I know what my players like and it's not railroading in the way of like, like I literally go, Hey, here's this thing, you know, save this town and they'll usually do it because they, they want to, they, there's something intriguing. There's something exciting about it. And last session I was kind of wanting to just throw in something kind of exciting and fun. And then they just fucking grabbed onto it and ran away and I was just like well crap now all my other planning is completely out the out the door so what happened was uh right now they're in a city that they don't know who murdered uh a doctor or something and so there's like this this mystery or whatever and in also in this town there's kind of like this infection going around and there's a lot of tension and there's like riots going on and and there's a lot of um people pointing fingers and what happened was at the time um uh, there were some people rallying outside of the the precinct like you know like the sheriff's office and a fire broke out and the place completely lit on fire and everybody's like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And um, I said, okay, we'll roll a perception check or, or we're doing 3.5, so spot check. And they spotted uh, a guy up on the roof that had uh, 
they have previously seen before as one of the bad guys in like the overall plot, like huge plot. And I kind of threw him in there just for fun, just to fuck with them. And, uh, but he's kind of like a, um, he's not like the big bad or anything. He's like one of the underlings. And they'd fought him before and everything. And I was just like, ah, fuck it. This seems like an interesting spot to put him. So I put him there. And uh, he is, uh, I do a lot of homebrew. And he is a fire elemental, but his entire body is made out of steel. So he fights the way he like heats up his body and he like fights people with it. And um, it's like hot metal kind of fighting. It's, it's fun. Um, but he started the fire. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, he, he started the fire, so uh, I kind of forgot that one of the players has teleport, and they just, like, teleported up there, and I was like, well, shit, there he is. And, and So they got into a fight with him, and they managed to take him down in three rounds. And this guy is really strong. Like, he is, is definitely, like, um, I think they're level eight, so, you know, he's like a uh, like a CR eight somewhere around there, you know, like he can definitely kick their butts, but he kept rolling like fives and sixes and they, they took him down in three rounds and like completely, uh, they had handcuffs that could work against his, his metal, um, and fire that I totally forgot about. And they just, Oh my God. Okay. So they just, they just, took this guy down and now they're interrogating him and completely forgot about the entire thing that was going on in the city and now I'm just like well great now I have <laughs> this guy is now uh, being held captive by these guys and they have, they don't know what to do with him because he can constantly heat up his body so they can't really touch him so right now that's kind of happening <laughs> in my campaign so that's that's that that's a off the rails thing, but that's my fault because I put in something that was intriguing, and of course I I was thinking like, well they'll probably they could fight him and then and then maybe do that, but they completely just were like, fuck this town, we're gonna go and <laughs> we have this bad guy now, so yeah. <laughs> so no, but that's but that's always where it always starts, right? Like that's where it's like okay, and now this crazy thing is about to happen because we decided to go left with it. And you're, mm -hmm. of course, like, yeah, no, fuck it. That's where it's going now. And we're going to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the big thing is they have, like, a thing they have to go to um, the next day that's supposed to be, like, um, like kind of like their investigation. Uh, it, it was kind of leading up to the next day. And now they have this guy and they're like, well, we can't leave him. <laughs> so it's just like, well, okay. <laughs> Guess you're going to miss that thing then. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah. Isn't it always the, isn't always the fun. Isn't that where always the fun is though, it, right? We're it is. It is. And I'm very excited to see what they do with this guy. Cause he's, he's hard to keep. So I'm not sure how they're going to handle him. So, <laughs> yeah. but I'm leaving it up to them. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows i mean there there could be like an extended sequence where he escapes and they had to catch him again he escapes and then maybe that's the the kind of reputation that he has they just are really slippery really impossible to kind of keep around yeah yeah well and also like i used um my my world is very uh like the world i've built without going into it it's very much elemental um, cleaner based 
and I used like his body is like I said made out of steel and he has fire elemental on the inside so at one point they were planning to be like maybe we'll just throw him into a lake and I'm just like okay yeah you might kill him that way uh but also in my brain I'm like if you heat up steel and you you put it in water and it's not properly tempered it can crack so in one way that could technically mess up their whole thing like like i'm just using the elements of the world and the body of just being like that you could fuck over right now if you want to you know <laughs> so yeah yeah uh chris you had a question well yeah uh i i really like when uh nemesises or villains kind of come up a, a little bit more organically uh mm-hmm. especially when you're just like oh you, like i've had villains that are created just at the fact that people have rolled plenty of uh like ones to uh not kill them and then suddenly you're like i will eventually kill this person i don't care how much time i have to dedicate it to <laughs> uh which yeah hunting down this person sounds like that but are there just any other moments that you have where the roll of the die totally derailed the campaign or like changed a fork in the road in a big way um unfortunately for me um i've only been dming for about three years and most of the time everything seems to line up naturally with my players however if we go back to what i'm doing right now on my youtube channel with fool's gold with fool's gold um there is the episode i just launched which is about the potato girl Oh yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody's not um well known on that thing, it's it's pretty much what happened is one of our players sold a very poisonous um well <laughs> sold a poison to this little girl um and also in jokingly gave her a potato. And what she did is she fused them together is now, and is now using it as a freaking weapon against people. Um, and is just a, like a big bad guy that now we're dealing with. And it was funny because Felix has, he's a great DM. And what he does is when he creates a new NPC, cause this girl was completely random. Like, just like, like we were selling our wares and then he was like, who's going to come up to your booth? Oh, okay. It's a 10 year old girl. And then he rolls to see on a percentile dice on, um, well, first he makes up a motive in, in his head. So it's like, this girl wants to become a princess. Well, how badly does she want to become a princess? And then he rolled a 99. So he was like, oh my God, she really wants to become a princess. And that instantly switched his mind mode into, oh, uh, this bitch crazy. Like this one (laughs) is going to be evil as shit. So he, it was just the dice roll that determined that she was going to be completely evil and would do anything to become a princess. So that's what led to the creation of the potato girl. Wow. I, there's something about that serendipity that I think comes across like in the episodes that I've seen. Um, in particular, we were talking about the Vine one that kind of shows the, that you have like this control over comedic timing. How do you, so could you, so for other creators who are out there trying to accomplish similar things, like what are some tips that um, you could give them to achieve that level of control over, you know, the situation? Uh, are you with talking about timing? like with comedic timing? Okay. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, uh, if you can, you can definitely tell from my, like my very early videos that I was trying to learn comedic timing mm-hmm. because there's a lot of times where I just didn't hit it. 
Um, and it really is practice. It's really about feeling when you you're putting out content and you you listen back to it and you go like, why does that not hit right in my chest? Like you're just watching it and then it's like oh, that doesn't really work so what my tips and tricks for people who are really starting to get into it and want to learn about it is watch other media that has perfect comedic timing and really break down the joke and count the seconds like count how long it took for them to be like there's the joke you know it really you start to learn about how it feels and eventually it just becomes a muscle that you use yeah, I think with anything, it comes down to practice, you know, 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I, I have a question. You said you're using 3.5. Uh, is that Pathfinder or uh, 3.5 proper? Uh, D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So that's actually the edition that I started playing. Uh, well, 3.0 technically. And then I rolled into 3.5. Mm-hmm. I was mad because I had to buy the three core books like like twice within six months of each other. (laughs) Uh, But 3.5 is actually one of my favorite systems. It's like super, super crunchy, but it has like the coolest classes. Oh no. And, and it really goes in depth with things, which can really help sometimes when you're like, how would that work? And then it's just like, there's DCs for that. And it's like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. And let me ask you a very serious and very controversial question. Mm. How do you feel or, or what are your thoughts and feelings on the book of nine swords? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> no. Re- oh man. What does that mean? No, no, no. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly have one. No, I don't. Okay. All right. No. That, that's fine. <laughs> uh, the only reason I bring it up is because the book of nine swords is like one of the most notorious 3.5 supplements out there. It's like, Hey, yeah. let's try and take like sword fighters and turn them into like soul caliber anime fighters that are on par with like ma- magic users. Oh, and yeah, yeah, as someone who absolutely loves like martial classes and fighters and stuff like that, I read that book and it was like, this is a revelation. This is exactly what I wanted. And then everyone else is like, Oh, you can just totally break that. Like within five seconds of playing well, the game. If, yeah. If you, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all about like, I don't know. I mean, I think when you take a material that's, you know, cause I do a lot of homebrew. I do. Um, I know a lot of people are against that and that's totally fine, but you need particular players when it comes to homebrew to play it because some people can really just take it and break it and, and, and use it to, to God knows what. Um, but I think it's fine. Like, yeah, if you find something, you're just like, um, that you like and, and it works and your DMs totally go for it, like use it, whatever. It's fine. I think it's, I think it's great. I think that's the great thing about D and D is you can do anything. (laughs) Like, totally do anything so. what do you so you say you homebrew a lot can you tell us about some of your favorite homebrew stuff because i i'm homebrew averse like i make my own settings and everything like that but when it comes to mechanics and everything i'm i'm honestly skittish about mm-hmm. stuff like, i'd rather reflavor certain things that are already within the rules mm-hmm. um well we do a lot of homebrew when it comes to like um us like being a sorcerer or uh for spells because i think i think at 3.5 because god i 
I haven't read 3.5 for a long time since we've homebrewed the shit out of it. Um, but uh, well, we we took away. Um, I think there's we took away components because we weren't a super fan of keeping track of that. You know, it's like you need this and that to do this kind of spell and stuff like that. Because we just we would get lost. Like we really wanted a simplified version. Because you have to remember when when I started playing D anD D, five E wasn't out. Like there was no simplified for for more more uh, casting and stuff like that. And in our uh, 3.5 campaign, we also made it that you have access to. Um, if you're a sorcerer, you have access to all sorcerer spells in your level. Um, you don't have to wait for, you don't have to be like, I only know 10 spells or something like that. Because we wanted it that you could figure out what kind of spells you liked. You didn't have to commit right away. It was kind of the idea that I was like, well, I don't know what, let, let's say, Sips. I was like, I don't know what kind of spells he would want because I don't know what he would use in certain situations. And eventually I just had a standard of 10 spells I like to use over and over again, simply because I had to test them out and be like, no, I don't like that one. Or yeah, I like that one or something like that. And um, so that's that's the way we kind of homebrewed with like magic, uh, which I know a lot of people would be against, but it it was the way that we wanted to make it easier for ourselves. And we also really love the creativity of being able to, to go through the spell list and be like, I've never heard of this spell. Let's try it. You know, like I didn't really want to commit. Did you, did you um, do you have any opinion on uh, the OSR movement since you're into um, homebrew, which is like the old school revival of games before third edition? Uh, well, what do you mean? Like just bringing back like, like, like Gygax kind of stuff or what? what yeah, happened? like it seems like there's been a big uh, resurgence of the really old 80s systems and like doing a lot of homebrew and, and yeah. kind of like working with that. I mean, that sounds really awesome. I think people should should I try. I really dig it. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be, yeah, it sounds freaking awesome. Like people should just like go through and try to um, find systems they like and, 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 and tune them to the way they want to work with it. You know, like we've yeah. had... Uh, my um my group has never we've never played a module i've never played a module before um which i know is shocking for a lot of people but um like i've never everything's been mostly homebrewed when it comes to that stuff like all the campaigns all the the storylines everything we've always done homebrew so um for people to go into different systems and start to take things and mush them around just seems natural to me. Yeah. I think, I think that's not as uncommon as you might think. I know that the only thing that I've come close to running in terms of a module is I stole half of a level from an old dungeon magazine, you know, and obviously you take elements and stuff like that and steal them and mash them in and, you know, try and cover them up as much as possible. But yeah, I I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't think I've ever, done an entire module from beginning to end but i, I also don't think that there's anything wrong with doing it either way you know I no no there's fun. nothing wrong with playing through a module i mean um i think that's totally vi viable and people you know if you feel comfortable doing it do it go for it it's kind of funny though because before because i'd been playing i haven't been playing D, &D for super long I've, i'm i think i'm coming up to year like nine like eight or nine and um when when I started YouTube, I 
that's when I started to learn what modules were. <laughs> like I had never heard of them before. <laughs> I had never heard of modules before until like I was talking to Puffin Forest and he was like, yeah, a module. I'm like, what is that? And he had like sit me down and like actually talk to me about that. And I was like, that's what that is. You know, like I just, I never heard of them before. And, um, and now I'm just learning that it's a, you know, there's, there's, you know, hundreds of them. And it's like, whoa, that's so cool. I love it that, that people are building worlds and sharing them with people. People get paid to write adventures. How cool is that? Right. So cool. So cool. <laughs> One we day. In such I'll a great world. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I know that we live in boring dystopia and everything like that, but like <laughs> yeah. when we live in a world where yeah, people right can now. get paid money. Yeah, exactly. When people live in a world where they can get paid money to write D and D adventures, like that's, you got to be like, okay, there's one good thing in this hellscape of a world that we live in. <laughs> Positive <laughs> outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to, I mean, what, what else are you going to do? Give in to the existential dread that's settling in right now as we speak. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. I mean, in times like these D and D is needed more than ever. Yeah, that is the wisest thing that's been said on this podcast. I can assure you. <laughs> if only more people played role playing games, like they would. They, I think there's so many people out there who don't even realize how it could change their lives. Like honestly and seriously, mm-hmm. we've naturally self quarantined for months. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Daniel, I, I do want to bring that up because yeah, learning empathy through role play is actually yeah. something that I think is really important to kind of focus on for just a mm-hmm. moment because the amount of genuine emotion that you can evoke through role play is important. I think that a lot of people could benefit from understanding what it's like to be in a different situation. It lets you try a different point of view, which I think is the most important part. Absolutely. You you can also work through a lot of your uh, emotional issues Mm -hmm. and flaws through D and D. And I didn't know that until it happened. (laughs) And I was like, well, (laughs) Okay, I guess I guess now I'm I'm actually doing therapy through D and D. So, yeah, that's that is. Oh man, I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize and understand is you know because there's the stigma of D and D, right? Where it's like, hey, nerds rolling dice in a basement. It's like, but also you're exploring different aspects of yourself and the relationships with those around you. And the level of emotional intimacy that can be created is intense and genuine. And like, it's something that is, unless you're doing it yourself can get kind of overlooked, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a nerd hobby and everything, but come on, there's like, I don't know. I think there's some genuine stuff here. Uh, I'm not oh, going yeah. working through any issues in my role playing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have a, a friend of mine, um, her name's Lizzie Stark, who did some writing about um, RPGs like in Nordic countries and how there it's like way more mainstream and um, like it's kind of breaks out of fantasy. That would be an interesting thing to check out, too, because I feel like that's where it's become um, not a, a basement nerd dwelling activity. Yeah, well, I think- no, it's more social now. Yeah, I think that there is actually a, a growing trend of it being like far more accepted, which I accept myself. I think that's such a great thing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with all that touchy feely stuff out the way, uh, I'm going to go, we're going to go ahead and roll into the world build jam. Dingo, are you ready? Sure. I've never done it before. So let's see how bad I am. <laughs> no, that's the thing. You can't be bad at it. It's just, it's that this is like one of the most fun things about it. So yeah. what, how this works is we're going to pick, we're going to roll some random dice and we're going to go for, we're going to pick a genre between science fiction, fantasy, horror, the modern day, 
romance, or we're going to roll twice and combine two. And then we're going to pick a subject between an item, a monster, a place, a historical figure, an event, or again, we roll twice and combine the two. And then we create a theme surrounding madness, sacrifice, love, metamorphosis, pride and honor, the unspeakable, triumph, or hope. And then we create something based around all of those elements mixed up. Then once that's done, we throw in a twist, but we'll get to that eventually. So first things first, I'm going to go ahead and roll the genre. And the genre is romance. Oh, yes. Again. Okay. And then we're going to- Do I have to write these things down? No, no, no. Don't worry about it. We got you. All right. And next we're going to do the subject. And that subject is going to be- uh, oh, roll twice and combine the two. Uh-oh. Okay. So number one, uh, we have a monster and an event. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And then now we have the theme and the theme is going to be triumph. Oh, All right, yeah. Dingo. Okay. So we have a romance genre and we have a monster in an event and the theme is triumph. So take those very vague and general ideas and combine them all into one singular thing. And because you're our special guest, you get to start with this whole world build gym. So what are your initial thoughts? So like I have, okay, I have to do my brain for a second. <laughs> totally fine. It's totally yeah. fine. I process. Yeah, let me write this down so I'm not always asking you, like, what was it again? (laughs) Romance, romance. It's just the premise, too, you know? Yeah, romance is the premise. And then we have a monster. Mm -hmm. And then we have... um, A monster and an event. Mm -hmm. And an event. And then triumph. Yes. Yes. Triumph. And that was it? That's it for now. We're going to throw in a, we're going to throw in a twist, but only after we've kind of workshopped the basic premise a little bit. So you're, you're talking about some kind of like, like if I was going to write like a story or something, or if I'm like, cause world building, I think of like, like environmental or something like that, but you're thinking. That's actually a good point. Like to, to us, world building is like any aspect of a Mm -hmm. genre or story that is part of you know like part of the world so for example in in our in our modern day right a historical event could be the bay of pigs and the historical figure could be john f kennedy and you know it we often don't see world building in a historical lens but that's kind of the idea and so in your case right like we have an event and that event a great famine you know Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then we have to combine that with a monster, which, I mean, the only monsters that we have are humans and, we kinda, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can do that, but let's, let's go ahead and start it out. What do, what do you have for a basic idea? Hmm. I mean, I think of romance. It's like, I mean, of course everybody thinks of love and everything and like two people being together or something like that. Um, but I think with a monster, I think the romance of it is like, the triumph of the monster kind of like through maybe saving someone or uh, 
coming together in like a village that usually fears it uh it shows that it's actually like a gentle beast and in doing so it like becomes part of the part of the community is like a triumph you know kind of like a notre uh, uh notre dame kind of situation absolutely that's that's actually a great place to start and i mean what's the event where this monster kind of gains upset gains acceptance and you know triumphs over its bestial nature i think it would almost like maybe it protects the village from a bigger threat like oh, a yeah. larger like a larger monster and i think the the monster itself had been you know ostracized from the village the village you know is always like that thing in the cave you know it's going to tear you up and steal your children um but then maybe something else comes along maybe it's man maybe it's uh, an actual like um threat of uh uh, let's say like arm an army or something like monarchy or, or something coming into this village and trying to take it over. And the monster actually defends the village and, uh, in doing so. Yeah. Kind of like a Godzilla situation almost, you know, where it's like people once feared this thing. And then now there's this kind of monarchy that's coming through. And the only thing that's protecting this village is, you know, this monster and maybe actually now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's a constant, right? Like maybe there are things that are happening pretty consistently that the, Oh, this is the only village that remains, you know, out from Alive. under the boot heel of this evil empire. Right. Yeah. It's untouched. It could, could even be a revelation that they didn't realize all along the monster had been protecting them from this external threat until this event when they realized, Oh, that's the only reason why we're still surviving. If I could, mm-hmm. oh, if I could, that's add really fun. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I would say you could also to play on the monster, the event, and romance would be uh, romanticization of like the hunt of people trying to kill this beast, oh, and yeah. how it's like mm-hmm. the knight slaying the dragon and everything. How it, but it will screw them over. So romance with a capital R, like it's a romantic kind of setting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Romance. Period. Cool. Okay. All right. All right. So we've got this village. It doesn't know that it's under siege because this monster is constantly protecting the village itself. Dingo, what kind of a monster do you see when you're thinking of this thing? Let's give it some like actual or you know, metaphorical teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I think of this village as kind of being, uh, I would think that this village would have to be quite hidden for it not to be touched so early, you know, like, like just in general for the, for the army to be able to reach that place um, and why it hasn't been like, like it can't be like a well-known place. And I'm thinking of this beast is kind of like uh, something that stirs in a cave and is sort of like covered in moss and mushrooms and things that are usually found in caves. So I would also say that it's probably got horns like uh like a minotaur you know like how like a minotaur is uh like a large hoofed kind of creature mm-hmm. i think of that but like mix it with some moss and some can we throw in some can we throw in some shadow of the colossus as well Ooh. yeah do it do it all right. okay <laughs> all right cool yeah it's like a all gentle right, so- kind of beast but it, it everybody's so scared of it all the time Maybe it is like one of the mountains or, or not the mountains, like one of the hills or something. 
that's it's right. to blend into the environment. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, such big hands. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe and maybe this idea is that it's viewed as so ferocious because of all of the fighting it does to keep these people safe, and so people are terrified of this thing, and you know they want to try and slay it in some way, only because they see it fighting the outside world and fighting this kind of they see bodies near its domain but these are the bodies of the warriors that have come to kill it from the empire yeah 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 okay i think that we've kind of come to the point where it's time to fuck everything up by throwing in (laughs) what do you think aliens all along come on all right (laughs) okay so i'm gonna go ahead and roll this d20 there's too many twists to say out loud so i'm just gonna roll and we will see what we get all right i got uh okay now we have to say that cults are involved in some way okay Mm -hmm. so how can we throw in some kind of a cult to this whole situation well where is the cult first i guess that's the first question well that's that's a good question to start with right hmm Unless the cult like summoned the armies that are attacking. Hmm. Maybe they're hmm. armies of cultists in some way. Yeah. Or maybe I... there's like a, or maybe the cultists are the ones who like point out to the villagers that this thing is actually trying to save them. Cause oh, maybe the they're are good. Yeah. The cultists could be actually worshiping this monster, but the villagers think that they're all like evil cultists. <gasps> what a cult. great twist. That's Love awesome. It. You fools, yeah. don't you know that it is the beast that protects you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's and they're probably brilliant. all moldy and mossy, the cultists. They're like, oh, who are those weird cultists? You know? <laughs> yeah. so that nice. guy's got moss in his beard? Like, you don't want to, <laughs> yeah. come on. Meanwhile, the empire's all, all prim and proper and just like, you're going to trust that guy? He smells like poop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining an entire empire full of Gastons. So, yes. Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I think that's, I think that's a good place to stop. I think that we've got, uh, I think we've come up with a great scenario. Um, cool. Okay. That's perfect. That's really fun. I didn't like, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you, you like that. it. That's really cool. That's yeah, fun. yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'm about to go into the rapid fire question part of this interview, unless anyone else has some questions. I'll save them for the rapid fire part. Okay. All right. So Dingo, uh, I have, I have some quick questions for you. Number one, my wife wants to know, is cereal a soup? No. Wow. Oh, wow. Conscious no. You that have is the no idea no. how good that makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, what games are you playing right now? Animal Crossing. Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and uh number three, name a name someone who you'd like to plug who isn't yourself. Oh uh I would I would like to plug um a YouTuber. Go ahead. Um named uh Aiden, which is A uh D A N and he does uh, D&D animations on YouTube. And he's always hilarious. And uh, he's got great stuff. Awesome. And uh, any other questions before I ask her the final one? Yes. 
Um, so I wanted to know, you talked about how having aspirations to write for TV in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could write for any TV show, uh, any TV, any genre, what would you be writing for today? Like if I could choose anyone that's going on right now or anything. Yeah, um, producer comes to you and says, hey, we want you to write for us. And Yeah, I, I'd love to write for She-Ra. Oh, wow. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. Really that's great. great okay and now the final question why don't you go ahead and plug yourself and tell us all about where we can find you and all that good stuff uh yeah sure so uh yeah uh if you go to dingo doodles on youtube you can find my channel and uh if you want to go to my twitter uh which is also at dingo doodles i think if you just do at dingo doodles at like instagram twitter tumblr youtube you'll find it and if you really are into D animated uh stories then i got you covered if you want to see an episodic adventure of my my three friends or five friends of and i and along with my boyfriend who's the dm telling a ridiculous story uh that involves a lot of uh ridiculous jokes about potatoes rocks and uh, tons of wild magic uh, along with some emotional moments, then uh, I think you'll have a great time. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dingo, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. It's been real fun. Uh, I'm really excited about that scenario that we made up. And again, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Thanks for you know having me. This was really fun. Uh, I'm not usually on podcasts, so this was... This was a good way to stretch out my social legs. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need it in the time of COVID-19, yeah. so that's yeah. totally fine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Dingo. Take care. Yeah, no problem. And that was our interview with Dingo from Dingo Doodles. We genuinely hope that you go and support her channel. If you haven't already, check her out. She's a lot of fun. All right. So what did you guys think about our time with Dingo? I mean, I had a lot of fun and I love the idea of, you know, like, the fact that she is a 3.5 grognard like I was. <laughs> I, th- I think she had some really, really um, useful advice when it came to crossover between like RPGs and storytelling, because the tip to make sure you distill, um, you know, uh, the core of the, of the story down to its bare essentials is like so vital in world building. So I thought, I thought that was great that she mentioned that. Oh, not just world building, Daniel, but like everything. Like, oh, yeah. who who cares about the seven leaves and what their names are and where they're from? If it's so fucking, and again, this is my main problem with Tolkien. I hate is so that much. like just yeah, I don't care. Just get to the cool parts. Get to the parts that matter to me and are interesting to me. You know, like unless those seven leaves are instrumental cut that shit get the fuck out of here tom bombadil let's get on with the actual problem the actual story the the thing is like look we we give you we give tolkien a pass obviously because he's the guy who started the whole concept of world building and fantasy but the rest of us we can't do that anymore we can't do it anymore (laughs) yes okay all right uh uh, chris what did you think i i am very happy that soup and sanity prevailed and that you didn't get someone who I wanted on here to say your heretical beliefs of salad. <laughs> hey, look, 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 I am completely neutral on the whole is super cereal or sorry, is cereal a soup thing. I'm just asking questions here, guys. I'm just throwing out the questions that my wife wants to ask. Okay. If you Alex have a Jones. problem. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
Just I ask new questions. An, yeah. I can't do an Alex Jones voice, but otherwise I would. Actually, I have a title. Maybe right we'll there. try it out later, but I don't want anyway, I'm not getting into that. Okay. Into the bedroom, God, no. Yeah. Uh all right. Those were some really happy, happy fun. Uh and that actually leads me to something that is significantly less fun, which is as of next episode, we are ending the land of a thousand gods. That's right. It's the apocalypse. Our next episode is going to see us uh, stepping away from the land of a thousand gods. We've been with it for a number of episodes now, but it's time to move on to greener. Well, maybe not greener pastures. So next episode, we're going to see each of us bring a different type of apocalypse to the land of a thousand gods. And then after that, that's where you guys come in. We here at world build with us are hoping that you would be able to, We here at World Build With Us, we're hoping that all of you out there would be able to send us a prompt and that way we can pick and choose the best ones and then world build based around your prompts. So if you want to figure out how a living demon spaceship would work and how we would build a world based around that, send us that prompt. If you want to know what a post-apocalyptic world filled with kaiju and cultists would look like, send us that prompt. If you want us to explore different genres, subgenres, or just throw out some crazy shit, please send us that world. And remember that in order to send us your ideas for those world building prompts, you need to email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com, or you can tweet us in a DM or publicly at Let's World Build. And we'll be able to pick up your ideas and we'll do two to three episodes based around the best ones or just the ones that we think are absolutely fucking batshit crazy because that's fun too. And until next time, remember that we love you very much and have a good week.